This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Good morning, everybody. And uh, I, I told you guys when I said yesterday that I was back that the podcasts were going to keep coming. And lo and behold, we had a kit launch today. So I couldn't think of anybody better to have on than our wonderful friend Rob Warner from the Spark Academy. And Rob obviously has been involved in tons and tons of short designs throughout the course of the years. And uh, we're delighted to have him back on. You eagle eyed watchers and listeners will know that he was here this time last year when we released the last Kappa kit. And we're delighted to have him back on to. To give us his pearls of wisdom about the Castoria kit. But before we get into that, Rob, how's things in your life? All right, cheers, mate. Pleased to be uh, pleased to be back with you, and uh, yeah, excited to to have a little look through through this kit and see what we can say about it. Yeah, and Paddy has been a, an eagle-eyed watcher because uh, I got a message from Paddy saying. Uh, keep an eye on your phone or keep an eye on Twitter. And then like 35 seconds later, bang, it came up and it was like, we are part of the journey or whatever the big monologue was that, uh, that was, that was there with Tyron Mings at his head down and, uh, and the news broke. So Pat, Patty, the suits there got his date right again, because on the podcast last night, we were kind of talking going, they have to release it tomorrow. If they don't release it tomorrow, we'd be playing in shirts and skins against Walsall on, on Saturday. But, uh, yeah, Patty, we'll get your, we'll get your thoughts on, on the kit as, as well. But, um, First inclination, or the first, I suppose, incarnation of what the club is going to do with Castore. We've all seen the knockoff kits. We've all seen everybody, you know, pointing them out in Magaluf or Turkey or wherever the hell people have been yeah, over yeah. the course of the summer. And obviously, it was, um, it was there was pushback from the club on that to say that that wasn't going to be the design. And lo and behold, we have the design now, and it is slightly different. But Rob, mm-hmm. I'm going to come to you first with regards to your first impressions on the, and I suppose the traditional nature, the traditional look of the shirt itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're, you're right. It is a very traditional shirt, and I keep averting my eyes that way because I've got a big picture of it for me to refer to. Because obviously, like everybody else, I've not had my hands on it yet. Um, I but think if, assuming this is a, assuming this is a multi-year deal, there we go. Um, then it does make a lot of sense to to go very traditional in the first year of a kit deal because usually when um, a team changes kit supplier, you would see a, a natural uptick in sales, um, whether that's because the change of supplier logo 
means that you're less likely to wear the previous season's kit or whatever. Not entirely sure, but usually you would expect a spike in the first year. And then seasons two, three, four onwards, then you have to try a little bit harder to maintain those levels. So that's where the, the designs then start to get a little bit bit more uh, wacky and interesting season on season. But first impressions are that it, it's pretty nice. I think the, the proof of it will be getting hands on it because there isn't a huge amount of detail on the replica from what we can see from the pictures. Mm. Um, so I would then hope that the, the fabric and the, the manufacturing quality are going to make up for that. Um, but yeah, until we touch it, it's going to be hard to say. That's a good point you, you just mentioned there. So obviously we're seeing Tyrone Mings, Jacob Ramsey, and uh, it's still bonkers to see Philippe Coutinho in, in an <laughs> Aston Villa shirt. It's still... Suits him, really, Yeah, it does, yeah. And long may he continue to wear it with great aplomb, especially when he's jumping into the whole end after scoring last-minute winners throughout the course of next <laughs> season. But... Um, it will be interesting, like obviously, when we get onto those Chevron designs and stuff like that. But those little kind of intricacies that you can see on the player issue shirt that they have there at the moment, I suppose it is going to be really interesting to see if that is there on the replica and if the replica has all those little bells and whistles as well. Because you just want it to kind of, and you may may or may not be able to do this, but when a team or when a club is looking at maybe the pro type shirt, which we know is what 130 euros i'm going to call it euros here i think it's 110 pounds um, yeah, and then obviously you've got your replica shirt what kind of decisions go into what we're going to take away from the pro shirt and put in the replica shirt or does it even come down to that that detail is it really just a price point point to, um, no, conversation? A, lot, a lot of it does a lot of it does there, there is there would tend to be decision making so um it's interesting to see the uh lot the, the really detailed crest has carried over that we've seen over the last few years um, which is is great. I think the the execution of it is really nice. Kappa took the same approach with it last season. Um, if anybody saw the kit review that we did on our Spark Design Academy YouTube mm-hmm. channel, um, you'll have seen me waxing lyrical about that as a, a badge execution. And you know it stands up against any other badge execution that would go on any of the top teams from the top brands around the world. It's really that nice. So it's great to mm-hmm. see that that's. Uh, being kept on, being adopted again. Quite often what you would see is that on the pro-level shirts, it's really about stripping weight away from the product as much as possible. So a lot of the things that the fans would see as being valuable, like an embroidered logo or an embroidered crest, they're, they're just no use for the athletes. You know, it adds weight, it can add irritation. And, and a lot of the kind of pro-level shirts, they're not designed to have the same lifespan as a, as a replica. So you get heavier fabric, you'd lose some of the, the details that are perhaps heat applied. So like the, the little laser cut holes we can see in the side of the, the image there, you know, they, if, if you were to, to put that shirt in the tumble dryer or wash it too many times with soft rinse in it or whatever, then, you know, those, those little frames to the holes would more than likely come off. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, of different considerations to, to, to place between the two. Um, so normally you would expect, you know, like putting those perforations in the shirt does, it does cost money. You know, the, the amount of time something takes adds to the cost of a football shirt um, and laying out a piece of fabric in an oxygen free environment to then put laser holes through it and then make sure that the little frames sit directly in the right place. It, it takes time and it all adds to the cost and all adds to the athletic performance. Are those holes, call me stupid, are they just air vents? 
they are just events, as far as I am aware. Yeah. Uh, I, I just thought maybe because uh, if some players are going to come back in bad shape, that maybe there were lace holes that they could lace them up as their last way through the course of the year. <laughs> yeah. You know, Logic tighten it in like a corset. Yeah. That would yeah, be yeah. perfect, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, there's, there's key areas on the body that you want to ventilate um, mm. through a football shirt. I mean, and they're, they're pretty straightforward that you are looking essentially down the centre of the back and then uh, underneath the arms, usually the, the upper neck and, and perhaps the chest. So no surprise to see that they've, They've gone direct and made holes in the fabric to achieve that. Um, what was I going to ask you there? I, I had another question as I was flicking through. I'm hoping that these that the pictures are going to going to remind me of what my question was. Yes, this is what it was. It kind of reminds me, and Paddy, you might you might have thoughts on this as well. It kind of reminds me of the 2007, 2008, or 2008, 2009 shirt, the old Nike one with, I think it was the first Acorns type shirt. And it has that kind of simplicity as well. And I think you mentioned there, um, Rob, with regards to, you know, changing shirt supplier. I think this is the first time that we had, when we had Nike, it was, uh, they went traditional like this. And this kind of reminds me of the same, the, the same application, uh, specifically the collar. I think the collar, yeah. although it has a slight V in it, the collar on that old that old shirt was around neck collar, and and I was a big fan of it. Paddy, what we were, what was? Am I right in thinking it's it's the same type of shirt as that? Yeah, similar. Apart from there's, there's a slight V neck in what we're looking at here. Um, it was a round neck on that original acorn mm. shirt, from what I can remember. You know, just to reiterate what Rob just said, it, it's safe, um, and and the force one usually is. We, we've seen it with Kappa, we've seen it with uh, Under Armour in recent years. Uh, big fan of that forced Under Armour one where they put the the lion through the shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose that the big thing for me is is the, is the crest. We we looked at so many mock ups of what it was with with a fairly nondescript crest and just printed onto the shorts. So. Um, I'm glad to see they went that extra mile and paid that little bit extra to put that embossed crest made, made of what is essentially rubber. Um, and there's good longevity in that crest. We, we've seen uh, we've seen a lot of the stuff wear away on, on jackets and coats, on, on the cap of stuff as time went on, and people just don't read, you know. And uh, without uh, annoying all the, the females of uh, watch our um, podcasts, they don't t- they tend to throw everything in together, which which I do myself, but I don't wash anything over thirty degrees. So I've never had anything come off the short of any type. So uh my only concern for this one is that little search drive smile is something we could be peeling off very quickly. Rob, what's your what's your view on and this is probably more personal, I think, more than a professional view. Like I'm not gone on slogans. I think the I think the, the brand gets enough from having their brand name there. I think the slogan kind of looks a bit silly. But it's not going to be a deal breaker for me. What's what's your what's your view on that? Yeah, I mean, I, ideally, you wouldn't have a, a sponsor, you know, obviously, but mm. you know, needs, needs must. Um, and I, I think that last season I was really pleased. The kazoo, the kazoo logo actually is is pretty simple. It's, it's quite a nice logo, inoffensive. It's not a, you know a brand that you'd be ashamed of, like some of the betting companies that we've had in the past. Mm. So. Obviously, they will have um, made some sort of choice around brand awareness as to as to why they want that underneath it. I did see a comment on uh, one of the message boards earlier saying that um, the, the poster had assumed that perhaps Kazoo were paying more now to have that underneath uh, than just the logo. Um, but that that wouldn't be the 
case, there's a there's a certain amount of space that's available to based on the regulation that's available to be mm -hmm. sold. Depending on the competition you're in, that space gets measured in different ways. Um, so it could be that it's measured entirely as a rectangle there. It could be two separate rectangles, one for the kazoo and one for the search drive smile. Um, but I would be confident that there's no extra money. It's just kazoo pay for 200 square centimetres on the front of a villa shirt and you know, within reason they can put what they want inside that. That's really interesting, the fact that it like all they would need to do is go all right so the kazoo part we'll just shorten the font on that we'll change it from 40 to 30 and then we'll put this underneath so it's done yeah, on a square it, it does make sense i suppose it does make sense because mm. when you go to like maybe the brazilian league or even in league in france where they're literally walking billboards at times um yeah. it makes sense that, that uh, they would maximize the amount of space that they would have in the shirt oh and, I, and you to measure it as well i mean you talk about changing font size but it's it's even more precise than that like as the working at the the brand end of it, yeah, you you have to go to the far end of a fart to get that exactly right because they're paying a lot of money and they want every available millimeter um, fully taken. At working back at, at, at Puma back in the day where we were kicking out Lazio and the sponsor was Siemens, and Siemens head office wasn't too far from the Puma office, mm. um, and every season their marketing guy would come down and see the final prototype of the shirt and get his tape measure out and measure that it was as big as it possibly could be. Um, and you, you wouldn't even have it. The one time we were about 0.5 square centimetres shy of the, the legal limit. Um, and he wouldn't have it that it could just be that it had been on the heat press for a second too long and shrunk a tiny bit. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, they, they pay big bucks for that. You're talking millions of pounds. So, of course, they want it as visible as possible. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. And look, we're not we're not, go, we're not going all in on them. It's important to have a sponsor there, and I think it's important that it's not a betting sponsor. I much prefer yeah. to have Zoo there than a pet, betting sponsor. I just think it's a little bit too busy and takes away from what essentially is a decent enough kit. It's the only yeah. it's the only it's the only bad thing I can see about the kit. The kazoo does look a little bit higher than normal as well, which is not is not yeah. there. Again, there's a, there's a certain amount of positioning that you you're allowed. Um, I think it might be a little bit of a, a misnomer in terms of it looking higher because Kappa typically place their, their crests and logos higher on the shirt anyway. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you laid them side by side and I think the sponsor logos would be in a similar position. But you'd probably find mm. that Castor and, and the Villa logo were further down the shirt than they were in the last two years. Yeah, uh, my biggest thing with having the logo where it is is that... Uh... <clears throat> I'm a full-chested individual, and <laughs> you know I don't think I, if you if you say that the brand marketing guys they would never pay for me with kazoo because they'd have it all over the place. <laughs> so it'd be like looking at it through a house of funny mirrors or something. But uh, well, yeah, you, look, that's... that picture there actually is perfect, uh, Neil. That if you I mean you talk about being a fuller-chested guy, and I think you can see there there's a seam that comes up uh, the the side of there. the shirt. 
the one. Yeah, and you can see how it's it's kind of curved to go to go into the armhole. So normally that would be something that I would typically only expect to see on women's wear, that shape, and you'd use it to create, you'd use opposing curves in that area to create a three-dimensional shape around the bust. Um, so it's not quite what you'd call a princess seam, but it's it's getting pretty close into that. And so I, I, I think for, yeah, you can see it's coming, it looks like it's coming a little bit further across on the women's wear, perhaps mm. to help uh, create that shape. So I'd be really interested to see whether that is just two flat panels that will sit together and they've done it because they need to cut off um, the um, the chevrons and they need to cut it off before it gets to the side so there's not a mismatch or whether they've followed what I assume they've done with the women's and make it three-dimensional because if you've, if you've got pecs like Tyrone Mings then it will really emphasise that and you'll look stunning. If you've got whatever it is I've got inside this polo shirt, it is not going to look cool. The one thing they kind of get to me, look at, and I'm not going to buy a woman's top, okay, before anyone suggests it in the comments. No, I'm not going to do it. But uh, I can see, like you can see here, that that little kickback that you said there on the actual seam is uh, is more pronounced on, on, on the woman's top there. But kind yeah. of what gets me, and you'll be able to tell me this here, is that obviously those chevrons are at 45 degree angles, or like they're a 90 degree, it's a 90 degree angle. And coming mm. from an old design background, the fact that this isn't at a 90 degree angle, and I know it probably can't, well, I know it can't be because if it was at a, uh, or sorry, 45 degree angle, because if it was, it would <laughs> probably wouldn't go into the air. for a start, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, that's just a little, a little thing for me. But it's those little details, as you say, those little intricacies are things yeah, that I mean, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't spot. Yeah, I think the, the other thing looking at that <laughs> is there seems to be quite a lot of what we would call seam puckering going into that okay. going into that seam it doesn't look flat um which given that's a marketing image i would have expected that they would have at least photoshopped that out it, you know, every, every athlete every body is individual so it may be that it's something that's just unique because of the shape of uh, phil coutinho's body but it can also be a sign of, of poor workmanship and again it's a photograph i've not had hands on mm. the shirt at all um, but puckering can be that um, usually one piece of material has been stretched when you when you're joining two together. One's been stretched and the other hasn't. And when the stretch one pins back, it causes the other one to to pucker along the side. So as that's appearing in a curved seam, it is possible that that's that's happened. So it might be something to look out for when you're in the club shop tomorrow buying your your replica shirts is to have a look and see if they are all the same. If this is just a one-off or if some of them have been better handled in the factory than than others, in which case, you know, make sure you, you're picking up the ones where it's all nicely joined together and flat. It's it, it's hard to, it's hard to determine whether these are the pro shorts or or the the shorts that we will actually buy to fit our bodies because they're they're not exactly stuck to the skin. Now it could it could be a Photoshop as well. In, like I can't imagine they've gone to Brazil to give Coutinho one of these shorts to to put on. But uh, it certainly looks like that it's a stadium fit or, or whatever. Is it is it Castore or Castor? Castor, as far as, as far as I'm aware, yeah. So, oh, I mean, they, really the athletes really... appear to be wearing the pro shirts because of the ventilation holes, um, which I don't believe. And obviously, it's pretty new news, and I've been working all morning. So, if they've replicated those holes on the replicas, then I would take that back. Um, but, yeah, it's... 
from my understanding, the perforations only appear on the on the pro level shirt. The that would be in keeping with what they put on Wolves and Newcastle last year. I think what's interesting is last year when we were doing our kit reviews, we tried to get um, the athlete issue um, shirts for, for both Wolves and Newcastle and they weren't commercially available. So it'd be interesting to see whether that's the case for those two clubs again this season or if, if mm. Villa have kind of broken ranks and commercialised that, that pro shirt. That's an interesting one for, for you, Rob, because... Actually, Paddy, you go ahead because I'm probably going to break to a different topic completely here. No, because we, we, we've discovered in the last couple of weeks that there's been different deals done with, with different clubs. That was it, where, yeah. yeah. so Wolves have produced their, their own their own kit, so that's obviously why um, they haven't had that available. But uh, just just a quick question on, on the on the chevrons. Um, the club say those chevrons within the fabric represent the impressive honours won throughout the club's prestigious history what do you make of that what a load of bollocks honestly <laughs> I have a now, theory again without having got my hands on it if within those chevrons it's got text and dates and whatever else if there is no yeah, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't it look like, like it it would be absolutely incredible I mean if it was something if this was a Birmingham shirt and they've got them on and that was the press release. Twitter would be alive with people saying it represented all the relegations that they've had over the years. <laughs> uh, you know, with it with it pointing downwards. But I don't know. I mean, I think when Castor first launched as a brand a few years ago, and they had a really small offering of products that was purely for individual athletes, gym run. It was mm. made out of amazing fabrics, largely from Italian mills. It was made at the factory in Portugal that's kind of one of the top two uh, best sportswear manufacturers in the world. Um, and and even then, some of the some of the product descriptions felt a little bit overworked. Um, you know, it was like they were trying too hard to to sell the product rather than you know. There's nothing wrong with it. If that just looks nice on the shirt, just own it. You know, we don't we don't need to be to be sold the dream but if there is some amazing hidden meaning behind it you know all credit to them i'd, I'd love to find out more about what it is and, and why the chevrons you know represent the, the particular successes that we've had well rob pull up a chair because you're about to meet mystery corner sorry history corner with neil dunworth today right i did a bit of googling and what chevrons actually mean and what they are <laughs> and apparently when you look at what the arm patches and the patches that people wear in the army, the chevrons determine their rank in the army. So it's the honors that they've gotten as they've climbed the ranks in the army. Yep. Now, where the hell that comes into Aston Villa Football Club, I have no idea. But well, one, potentially... one thing I checked. One thing I checked when I read the press release was, I thought, well, perhaps they've been super clever, and there's a certain amount of lines to represent the amount of the amount of trophies or different thicknesses of the chevrons depending on seven fa cup wins one european cup win and so on um but there isn't it just appears to be a repeat pattern which would then seem to indicate that depending what size shirt you buy will dictate how many trophies you're allowed to celebrate from the past um so yeah i don't know it's it's a bit of a funny one that 
I don't think anybody would have questioned it if they just left it the way it was and just said the chevrons on it. Like yeah. initially, I thought it was a bit of a hat tip to the old Hummel design that we had back in the the, the 80s and 90s. But look, it's a, it is what it is. It's not a bad design. It's no, it uh, looks nice. Yeah, it does. I like it. I, I'll be interested to see how it looks on on uh, my slightly rounded belly, with, where where the chevrons wouldn't be pointing exactly straight down. But we'll we'll have a look when it comes to. It's just you might want to replicate that princess seam all the way down the side. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, you made a great point. You started talking about Castor there a moment ago. And I had actually a question on that, the brand itself. And I suppose more so the industry and the fact that, and it's great actually because you, you might have preempted that question when you started talking about it. And I got a bit excited when you said that they had high quality materials and so on. So I really want to see what this looks like um, when uh, I do get my hands on it as well. But is it normal for a company that's like literally they're on a monumental, phenomenal kind of rise for two guys who started the company in 2015? As you said, started off with personal kind of gear and things like that. Got in with Andy Murray, now in with you. Basically, you can't turn the corner without seeing Castor. Castor now mm -hmm. they're with McLaren. They're with uh, they've got how many six, seven football clubs now? England cricket, cricket I, I think, think West yeah. Indies cricket as well. Yeah. So, like, is 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 that typical to have that massive, aggressive kind of um, explosion onto the market like Castor have have had? Because it's not normal. Well, I haven't noticed it, but for somebody in the industry like you, do you notice that happens? And does that encourage longevity within the brand? Or is it is it kind of a sign that, you know, it's still kind of 50-50 whether they will actually stand the test of time? Yeah, I mean, I think I can only speculate on this. And it's important of course, for me to, of course. to put that yeah. caveat in there. Um, it is unusual to see a brand, even without thinking about sponsor sponsoring professional um athletes and organizations to to first off go after so many different sports and so many different types of sports um you know within, within the first few years because it seemed it was about running and gym essentially when they launched and then <clears throat> you know they got some investment from some amazing people um they had uh, I think a guy that had been the CEO of MNC Saatchi, obviously huge uh, marketing and PR agency. They had uh, the husband of Natalie Massonet, who set up the uh, Pret-a-Porter women's high fashion websites. They've had a, a, quite a few rounds of investment and, and the Andy Murray thing, mm. I'm not entirely sure, but from what I've read seems to be part endorsement and partly they've given him a chunk of the, the business as well to be able to afford to get the product on him and use him as the, the catalyst for them. Um, so, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're staffed up against it and you've got the supply chain in place um, to be able to cope with it. I mean, if you think of the the quantities, the, the shifting quantities and the, the requirements of a supply chain to be... Um, when you first launch it, it's a fairly small range of products, mega export by sportswear standards, mega expensive, um, probably pretty low quantities as a result of all of that. And also to help um, get the brand launched at the, the right level of, you know, inaccessibility, if you like, um, to then be talking about 150,000 replica Villa shirts, 150,000 replica Newcastle shirts, couple of thousand replica wolf shirts that's probably why wolves are making themselves some old biddy and bilston just putting them together herself because the quantities are so small 
Um, but uh, no, it's not fair of me to say. My mom's a wolf support. She'd kill me if I say that. Um, <laughs> she, she's the one that's, and she's the one who's putting them together, is it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's where I learned it all from. Um, and then just, just the undertaking of the, the people on the ground, the, the work with the clubs, you know, the number of people. When I've worked at places like Puma and uh, Umbro and Umbro under Nike ownership and getting to see how Nike do things, the number of people that are involved in making sure that the, the kit's there at the right time and, you know, not even thinking about selling to the fans just to service the club at every level, mm -hmm. men's, women's, kids, coaches, you know, all sorts. It's a massive, massive undertaking. And I think, I mean, the first season Castor got into football, certainly in Britain with Rangers, you know, there were, there were big issues where, there was stuff showing up in the, the Rangers club shop with Castor on the front and Umbro back net labels within it. There were people buying replicas and getting pro shirts, buying pro shirts and getting replicas because they'd been packaged in the wrong bags. And there was all sorts going going wrong. And you know, how does the Umbro and Castoria thing happen? Do they like is there a potential that they reused material? No, it just would be made in the same factory and there's been a been a mistake made somewhere purely that um so which you know you would you would normally not expect in a in a high tier factory i think the, the factory that they were working with when they made their first collection you know you, you probably wouldn't put football shirts through there because they'd be too expensive um but you wouldn't get any mistakes on it but obviously the the quicker you try and jam something through a supply chain, not just within clothing, within any industry, the more likely you are to get mistakes. You know, as, as Henry Ford is credited as saying, if you if your triangle is basically speed, quality and price, you can pick two. Um and it and it totally stands up. You know, if you want something that's inexpensive but you want it to be high quality and quick, you know, you've you've got no chance. You can't have all three. So um yeah, hope hopefully that things are settling down from what I've heard within the within the company. They've kind of done the hard yards and getting themselves onto a onto a straight path. But there's there's a lot of rumour and suggestion that Mike Ashley could be involved behind the scenes of the business. There's nothing formal to suggest that. It's you know largely based on the fact that Rangers and Newcastle were the first two clubs that they worked with. So I don't know how you know how much substance there is to that as a rumour and then the other the other suggestion is that the the business is being is being built up as quickly as possible to be able to be to be sold uh, to investors or to float and having all these assets then means that whoever buys the business can choose where they want to focus it so yeah it's unusual but i think equally it's hard to it's hard to try and second guess what's going on because it is so unusual but you know, credit to them. They set up a business seven years ago and now they're dressing the greatest football club of all time. You said it. And the greatest. Wait a minute. What else do they do? Um, I saw something there. Taekwondo. GB Taekwondo they do as well. They do Saracens, Mavericks, Netball. They're in Rugby League. They're in, they do the Samoan, the United States, Rugby Union teams. McLaren, we mentioned. They sponsor Matt Fitzpatrick in the golf. Must have got a good chunk off him didn't he win something recently as well back yeah. team Bahrain yeah. victorious in the cycling Kent County cricket team England South Africa and West Indies coming from next year they have Bayer Leverkusen they have Genoa they have Sevilla they've got Amaria 
And from the 2023-24 season, they have Feyenoord, along with our good selves, Salford City, MK Dons, Newcastle United, Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, Charlton Athletic Rangers, and Aussie Rules. They're on Aussie Rules too with the West Coast Eagles, if anybody... That floats anybody's boat as well, yeah, from that point not? of view. So they've 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 been, as I say, like it's it's pretty aggressive strategy. And um, you know, even looking in their Wikipedia page, I don't know, Tom Singh, the founder of New Look. He might yeah. like that's there, he's involved as well. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't even I'm not even sure what New Look is. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but no, it's it's an inter- it's interesting to get your background on that because it's it's one thing that kind of struck me straight away that like you know, they're, they're such a young brand and have that kind of market presence at the moment. I, was, I, I wasn't sure whether it was it was normal or not for that to happen. But Yeah, well, I, I think even just the nature of, again, what I've heard is the, the relationship with Wolves is very unique in that they're, they're mm. kicking out the team um, in terms of on-pitch and sidelines and, and getting the, the presence on-pitch with their actual product. And then, obviously, Wolves are... Have got license to be able to be making making the replica of that themselves and selling it themselves and then i would presume castor are taking a royalty off that so i think that there's there's probably two groups of people benefiting there there's uh castor will be benefiting because it's no stress on their supply chain it's everything's being managed by somebody else and as we've seen the wolves fans where the prices have been compared between what Wolves fans are paying for the training line and what Villa fans are paying. Mm-hmm. And that's that's simply just a you know the, the nature of economy. It's got nothing to do with Villa being greedy or Castor or Fanatics or anybody. It's Wolves make the product and pay X amount for a training jacket from the factory. They add their upcharge and then the next person that buys it is the fan. Whereas with most relationships the brand buys it from the factory sells it to the retailer and the retailer sells it to the fan so it's effectively wolf supporters are paying wholesale price um you know which clearly works for for the duration of this agreement but i don't know how many other brands would would sign up to that of not having full control over product that's going out with their logo on it so for a wolves fan i wouldn't i wouldn't try and get too used to paying 30 quid for a training jacket or whatever the, the asking price is. Yeah, and that that's actually really that's a really interesting piece. I was staying away from prices, but you straight into it yourself because usually people come alive when you start talking about prices. Yeah, yeah, there's and, no and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, with, with the price of these, I've seen some feedback that obviously the price has gone up from where we were at with Kappa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the nature of the football shirt industry is that. People, people look back and seem to forget, you know, oh, you could get a replica shirt for 35 quid 30 years ago. But 30 years ago, 35 quid was still a, a good chunk of change. I think when Admiral put the first replica kit on Leeds United, and it was, I forget, it was a fiver or seven quid or whatever. If you calculate that back through inflation, so what that's what that would be now, you know, it's, it's not too far off what we're, what we're paying for for football shirts now and the, the cost of making them and they're being shipped from the other side of the world, etc. It's yes. you know, it, it is all all relative. And last season, if people have talked about oh Capra rubbish, I wish we'd got Nike or Adidas or whatever, fans of their teams were paying 65 quid last season. And you know, there's some suggestion that if not this summer, potentially next summer, 
a lot of the bigger brands are going to put the prices up to 75 quid at retail for a replica and maybe 130 or 140 for a, a pro level shirt um you know paying nine pound 35 for a kilogram of lure pack these days aren't we in the uk so you know makes 65 quid for a villa shirt feel like a bargain compared to that i saw somebody do a a price comparison for if you were to buy it in dollars in the states so if you were yeah. to buy it in dollars in the states and do a price comparison and get it shipped to the states and then get it shipped from the states back to ireland i think you can save yourself something like 90 cent in euros if yeah. you want to do it that way guys so if you're that hungry after the 90 cent there there might be something in yeah. that uh, if you aren't part of the north american villa lions clubs uh, i think somebody had had something up there and then i went away and i did the match and i found i could save myself less than a quid yeah yeah although for that i could get a 20 euro return flight to birmingham fly over buy it in the club shop and come back and still have a few pints in the way and that would be fine yeah. by me as well so uh, i suppose i'll have to juggle it up See just with regard to the the shorts themselves rob do, do, do you envisage there's there's been any decline because i i just look at the the shops here in ireland and i wonder have have clubs and manufacturers priced themselves too high um, you, you'd walk into a, a normal sports shop here in Ireland and you, you could get 20, 30 different teams, jerseys, all all there for purchase. And now you're looking at Liverpool, Man United, Ireland, a couple more of your lucky PSG. Barcelona, PSG, yeah. all these fashionable ones. But you don't, you, don't, you don't get to walk in now and buy a Villa short or a Newcastle short or e- even it's tough enough to get the likes of Arsenal and Spurs who would be quite popular. So I, I'm wondering... It has have you seen any decline in in the amount of people actually purchasing shorts? Because it's not something you'd see at Villa Park, obviously. Because yeah, it's actually purchase them. Yeah, it's it, it's a, it's going to be a two pronged thing, Paddy. I think that you've got the retailers themselves when they buy the shirts from the brand, they're taking the risk that those shirts are going to sell. So you know, buying a, a handful of Villa shirts who. Certainly, you know, as, as recently as a couple of years ago, we could have a dreadful season, win four games and get relegated, you know, and then they're sat there with a load of Villa shirts that they've paid for and can't shift. Um, you know, so for them, retailers are typically going to be hedging their bets. Um, we've also seen a change in strategy from some of the brands um, where the brands are more inclined to want to sell sell the product directly to the fan rather than, Rather than selling it through third-party retailers, because obviously there's more more money to be made. If you, you think back to how I've just described how the Wolves' relationship is working, you know, if if take a, a let's use Castor and Villa as an as a simple example. So if Castor pay X at the factory, and then they sell it directly to the fan at sixty-five quid, everything in between is their profit. Similarly with um with villa castor pay x at the factory fanatics or whoever's running the villa club shop pays x for it from castor and then sells it to the fan so all that profit then goes to essentially the club shop whereas if it's sold from castor to a local sports retailer somewhere in ireland and then gets sold to the fan well the the brand have only made a small amount and the club have only made a percentage of the overall sales price so as far as the brand and the club are concerned, there's way more cash available by selling it only through the club shop or the brand's own website. Um, so a lot of shirts have restricted the availability because of that. 
um, with the, the clubs that you've mentioned, quite often the club will, you know, they will drive because they want the visibility. They know the shirts will sell. They're happy to take a small percentage because they're selling millions of shirts. You know, so for them, it's more about the exposure than it is about the cash. But clubs our size don't sell as many shirts as you might think. And so, you know, every every tenner on a on a shirt makes a makes a big difference to a club of our size. Interesting. Fair enough. Rob, I've kept you longer than we've kept you longer than than oh, I had originally agreed with. Yeah. So what I what we're going to do is Rob, thanks so much for um for, for popping on. Before you go, marks out of ten based on a photograph. What do you think? <laughs> oh man, well we usually do marks out of eleven on our show, don't we? So uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, do go to YouTube and look for the Spark Design yes. Academy channel. Uh, but yeah, I think I don't know, it's feeling like it's probably going to get a six or a seven until I get my hands on it. And I reserve the right to adjust that accordingly, because if that's inexpensive fabric with certainly talking from a replica and, and fewer details on it, that's, that's not going to be cool. Whereas if, if that's beautifully put together and it's really nice material and it's a simple paired back design, then we could be in for an all time classic, but, yeah, yeah. The, the proof of the podium will be in the polyester. Exactly, yeah. And you can see the little kind of ripples that go through it there. And I think that's that's kind of what, what has me looking at to see, well, will that be decent quality? So like you, I'd like to get my hands in it. But I just like yeah. to get my hands in it because I want to wear it. You want to get your hands in it to give your critical eye over it, which is fantastic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Paddy, what would you give it out of 10? Um, I'm, I'm quite happy with it and quite content. Um, Obviously, uh, the price price point and those three words underneath the kazoo is what's putting me off. So for that reason, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I'm going to give it a ten because we're going to be lifting the FA Cup in it at the end of the season, and then everyone will be going back on. I always love that jersey. I always have great memories from that jersey. So that's why I'm giving it a ten. <laughs> and I think I think that's the that's the important thing that a jersey can leave a legacy depending on what the players do in it. Like like that black um, Kappa jersey that we 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 did so well in. Everybody bought it towards the back end of the season because we had so many good results in it. Um when, when we beat Liverpool 7-2, there was a big uptake in jerseys as well. So all of the all of these things come into effect. As, as Rob said earlier, if if we have an awful season like we did a few years ago, then we don't sell many jerseys and and, and I certainly don't buy one. So there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well listen, thanks everybody so much for for watching. Most of all, thank you so much, Rob, for your time. As I say, I've, I've taken up way too much of your time on uh, Friday afternoon. Um, everybody, please go and look at the Spark Academy. Please check them out on Twitter, YouTube, uh, wherever. Where else are you, are you guys, Rob? I feel like I'm going to uh, understand you. YouTube, going. Instagram at the moment, but we've got a few more things bubbling away in the background that we're hoping to be able to tell the world about in the future. Excellent, excellent. And sit down and, and, and watch them because they go they do real good in-depth kind of analysis of jerseys and it's great crack. There's some really good funny funny pieces in there as well. So everybody, you should go and watch it and I'm really interested to see what you guys do when you get your hands on the actual shirt itself. But thanks everybody so much for, uh, for popping in. Please give this a thumbs up if you did like this show. We will be back again. I might actually be back again later on this evening. We will have a team sheet tantrum again tomorrow. And then on Sunday, I've got something nice lined up as well with regards to the academy. So don't go anywhere over the, over the course of the weekend. I've beat the virus and I'm back on podcasts. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> so keep that, uh, keep the bell uh, clicked there on YouTube and we'll be talking to you over the next few days. And I suppose with that, all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa.
Onko vielä... Sports Social Podcast Network.